Hello and welcome to the Road Trip Sports Podcast. My name is Harrison Crook and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Oliver Gilmore. Ollie, how are you doing? I'm good, Harrison. We're talking about the greatest city in America. Uh, well, I, I guess self-proclaimed anyway, um, Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, we're talking B-Town today. We're going to talk about all things uh, Orioles baseball and Ravens football, uh, about my trip to the city uh, 11 years ago. Wow. I didn't realise just literally right now how long it's been. It was 11 years ago uh, that I went, but we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk uh, some of the current sports events, uh, Buddy's 1000th Gold Game you were at on the weekend, an incredible moment for sports. We're also going to do a bit of a trivia segment, which I hope you all enjoy. And as usual, we're going to hit our mailbags. Now, if you do enjoy the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Road Trip Sports Pod. We're also on YouTube, Road Trip Sports Podcast. And any inquiries you've got, if you'd like to get in touch, you'd like to share your own experiences going out and watching sports or uh, sports-related activities in cities, uh, you can send those through to us, Road Trip Sports Podcast at gmail.com is where you can find us for those inquiries. We'd love uh, to get lots of interactions with you. Uh, we'd love to uh, get you to share the podcast. Uh, we really see a spike when people do share the podcast in our listenership, so it's been great for us. Love to get all of your feedback as well. Yeah, and don't forget to uh, to comment on But most importantly, don't forget to review... Um, I'm pretty sure the other buttons are broken, so just hit the five-star <laughs> five star button and then we're sweet. They sure are. That's the only button you'll need. Uh, well, uh, usually we'd get straight into the city we're going to talk about, but we've got something more pressing to talk about. It was a moment in sports history. Uh, Friday night, SCG. Buddy Franklin was four goals away from kicking his thousandth goal. And I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it right now. I wasn't even there. Yep. Gets three goals in the first three quarters. Everyone's going off their head. Finally takes a mark inside 50. And the crowd is on their feet. They're already uh, climbing over the fence. I saw people, kids sitting on the fence. People were already on the field. They were running in as Buddy was running in to kick that goal. It would have been hilarious if he missed. But he didn't. He kicked the goal. And you were on the field straight after. Can you tell me all about that experience? Because on TV, it looked like the most unreal thing I've seen on a sports field. Yeah, look, I mean, we haven't seen it many times. Um, It's a pretty big accomplishment. Uh, It's only happened six times, as you mentioned before. Um, But that said, I basically, we sat down, I tried to get as close, uh, within reason. I mean, I like to watch the game a little bit back. You don't like to watch it on on the fence. But um, I tried to get as close as possible, so maybe four or five rows back. Um, and then he sort of kicked that third goal, and I, uh, I mentioned to, to my partner, I said, look, we're going to have to start going down to that fence because it, everyone's going to start coming. And she said, oh, look, I'll stay here. And I said, look, well, I'm going to go because I don't want to miss out on this. Like, everyone's going to storm past, and I don't think I'm going to get on there. Like, I didn't know how sec- the security would work, whether they'd sort of <laughs> deter everyone. But they nonetheless... They ended up just not yeah, working. <laughs> I, I still waited till the, the ball went through the goals. Because um, yeah. I didn't want to be embarrassed if he kicked the goal and I'm already on the field and have to jump back over. But jumped over, ran in the middle. Um, I got pretty close to Buddy. It was sort of, there was just that big of a pack of people. You sort of couldn't really tell how close you actually were. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but yeah, really crazy experience. I don't think, to be a part of it was huge, but I don't think we'll ever see it again in general. Yeah, so talking about the history of it, it's something that happens when a player kicks a, a, their thousandth goal uh, or a hundred goals in a season. And also when uh, Tony Lockett broke the record for most goals ever, uh, when he kicked his, uh, it was one thousand three hundredth goal. Um, it's so it's it's hard to do. It's something that doesn't happen often, um, and with the way that modern football has gone, it's likely not going to happen again. Yeah, with. With all the changes, the zone structure of uh, defenses now has made it a lot harder for players to get open and find open space. For So for someone to do it consistently for as long as he has, he started in 2005, I think it's just been inc- incredible uh, to watch his run uh, as a Sydney Swans fan as well, to watch his run being in Sydney and to finally culminate on that night. I think it's just as big as a premiership as a moment uh, for a fan. Yeah, and even individually, I think it's a really, really big moment. And as you mentioned, only uh, we've mentioned a couple of times now, only six people have done it. So that's that's just huge. And um, whether it will happen again, I think as you mentioned, yeah, there that zone defense, and we don't see as many one on ones. 
Um, so we know the game's constantly evolving and there's new rules coming in, but we might see, we, we never know because who knows with the sport, it's con- consistently evolving, but we might see 16 on 16 and more one-on-ones in the future. But for right now and at the current state of the game, I think it'll never happen again. Yeah, I, uh, I tend to agree. Now, one of the things, the big talking point post the event and after all the hype and spectacle around it is the security yep. or lack thereof. Yeah. Um, now, there was lots of things coming out where people were like, are they going to let people on the field? Um, Gil McLaughlin sort of hit, like tongue-in-cheek sort of hinted that, yeah, they go on. Of course. <laughs> go yeah. on, have a run. Um, but... They had, I saw, I saw, I was reading today an article about it and they had all these targets that they were supposed to hit. Right. I don't know that they hit very many of it at all. They were supposed to uh, get around Buddy before the fan circle to just give him some space. No. <laughs> um, they were supposed to retrieve the ball that was kicked. Yep. They didn't do that. Uh, they were supposed to get the players of Sydney and Geelong off the field safely while the crowd sort of circled Buddy. They didn't do that. <laughs> what what do you th- what did they achieve? Look, mate, I, I think it's it's hard. I don't want to be too critical of, of the security at the same time. I mean, they've it's I I think it's it's inevitable. It was always gonna happen that way. Um I think I honestly don't know what they could have done different. Like people were on the field before it even taken that kick. So it's like how does security get in front of all of those people? How do they stop everyone? I think the thing was, once they're over the fence, get back over. But then it's it's a strength in numbers thing. How many people are you going to get? How many people are you going to send back over the fence? You know, like yeah, I think that's a good point. But also, don't set those as your goals if you know that they're yeah, you're going to yeah. fail. Like, of course, if you know that people are over the fence, maybe just make that announcement at the at the field and go, look, we know you're going to like accept that they're going to run over. Yeah, make it known that okay, we know you're going over. Here's a few ground rules first. Don't jump the fence before he's kicked the goal. Or at least kick the ball. There were people running in as Buddy was running in. Yeah. Don't ru- jump the fence until he's kicked the ball through the goals. Then everyone... Like, I think if they let people on, they say, we are going to let you on the field. Okay. But you've got to follow these rules. I think you might have done it. Because probably people thought, we need these strength in numbers because they might not let us on the field. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's fun to hype, speak and think about hypotheticals now, but I don't think we're going to see it again. So at this point in time, I don't think we should dwell on the process so much. Yeah, I that's think true. it's happened. Let's move on. It was a really cool moment. And if you weren't there, you're probably salty you weren't there. And you're probably one of those ones that go, oh, yeah, no. Oh, I wish I, I was hate there. it. But, I um, wish I was there. Look, I think for those that didn't go, they. Four goals in a game is a tough task for anyone. Oh, we know our buddy averages around three goals a game. But even still, like to kick four, it was a bit. It was up on the air. Would he rest against the Western Bulldogs the next week? But overall, really cool moment and um, forever entrenched in AFL history. For sure, for sure. A great moment. Uh, now, that's it for our buddy chat. Let's get straight into our trivia segment. So, we're going to pass this back and forth. We've got five questions each. And we're going to let you guys play at home a little bit as well. So, if you think you can answer the questions, it'll be out of 10 for you guys. In the comments, let us know how many you get correct. There's a bit of AFL, a bit of NRL. Uh, there's a bit of NFL, a bit of basketball in this. Uh, let's see how you go with them. But, Ollie, would you like to kick us off with your first question? Yep. So, pretty easy one for Harrison and everyone listening. Um, what two colours of footballs do the AFL use? Definitely uh, pink and aqua. <laughs> they have no, used pink before. <laughs> they have used pink before. Uh, it is obviously uh, red and yellow. Good stuff. Good stuff. 1-0. I'll take it. <laughs> you, you're keeping score now. <laughs> I, I'm definitely keeping score in this one. Um, all right. My question to you. What year did the Sonics move to Oklahoma City to become the Thunder? Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm going to say 2000... Jeez. Uh, 2011. Ooh. Uh, it was 2008. Okay. So they drafted Durant in 2007 and yep. then moved the year after. Oh, that's right. Yep. All right. Uh, so it's 1-0. Your next question. Uh, my next question is, what player scored 100 points in an NBA game? Uh, it was Wilt Chamberlain. 
That it was. Sorry, that was a quick answer for those of you playing at home. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my next question. It's a question about the podcast. Right. What is the order of the cities we've been to so far on the podcast? You want me to name every single one? I mean, we've had eight episodes, so it's not a big task. Um, that would be Green Bay. Yep. Then it was Miami. Yep. Then it was... Uh, what was after that? Sydney. Yep. Then it was another... I'm trying to think of the city. Something and then Melbourne. There was something in the middle. I don't even know how I'm forgetting these. Um, oh, God. I'm, I'm going to have to think. I'll give you a hand. Think of our icons. Yeah, that's probably a bit easier. Um, oh, we did San Fran. That's right. San Fran. Yep. Then Melbourne. Yep. Then the two LAs. Yep. And then Baltimore today. Oh no! Sorry, oh. sorry. Oh, what did we do last? Out. What did we do last week? Cross, I'm I'm struggling here. Um, what did we do last week? Oh, Barcelona. That's right. Yeah. Yep. All right, yeah. you got that one. Two one. Right. Oh, sweet. Um, What's okay. your next question? Next question is: What year did the North Queensland Cowboys enter the comp? And this is a multiple choice question. So, okay. 1996. 1995, 1997, or 1998? Oh, NRL is not my strong point. Uh, as, a, as a teacher, I do lots of multiple choice questions. I write them and have done them in my past. My usual tactic is if you don't have an idea and it's a year question, cut the top and the bottom one and have a guess from the middle. I'm going to say 96. Uh, it is 95. Oh. Close, close. Close, close. All right, so it's still 2-1, and I think you've got a pretty good chance here. Who passed the ball to Buddy Franklin when he kicked his 1,000th goal? Chad Warner. Very nice. Oh, sorry, I probably all. answered that a bit too quick as well. <laughs> I think we've got to learn how to do this one better yeah, to that's uh, it. get our fans in there. But uh, it's your question now. Question four. Question four is, which team signed ex-Jaguar Miles Jack? I Oh No I've got it I, And he's going to be playing under Brian Flores In Pittsburgh That's right Yep Alright So it's 3-2 uh, Fourth question Which of these is not A name Of the Miami Dolphins Stadium A Landshark Stadium B, Dolphin Stadium. C, Dolphins Stadium. D, City of Miami Stadium. Or E, New Miami Stadium. Ooh. Um, just, to, just to give a uh, context for people out there, okay. the Dolphins have had nine stadium names since the stadium was introduced in 87. I'm tossing up between the last two. What were those again? City of Miami Stadium. And New Miami Stadium. Right. Um, geez, I'm tossing up between these two. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the last one. New Miami Stadium? Yep. Is incorrect. It was the other one, wasn't it? City of Miami Stadium was the odd one out. They named it New Miami Stadium in 2016. The stadium had been around for like, <laughs> what? 30 years and they called it New Miami Stadium. Uh, fun fact as well, they called it Dolphin Stadium and then changed the name to Dolphins Stadium. Why? I have no idea. Um, so the score is 3-2 and we're up to the last question now. This is to to seal the win for me. Um, let us know how you're doing at home. I hope you're doing a good job and I hope you were able to answer it quicker than we were for a couple of those questions. Yeah, maybe the podcast questions. I just, did, I just didn't think about that. I mean, looking at it now, I'm like, that was such an easy question but uh yeah anyway maybe i gave you more time to answer which is probably a good thing as well yeah. so all right so your last question my last question for you is what do you call it when a bowler um so bowling here makes three strikes in a row three strikes three strikes in a row so this is probably gonna be a question that either you know or you don't so three strikes do you mean like three strikes in a row oh oh sorry i was thinking bowler is in cricket 
No, and I was no, like, no. What do you no. mean strikes? I thought you bowled him out. <laughs> um, that's what I said. Like, I, was, I was going to say hat trick, but it is a turkey. That's right. Yes. All right. Four two is the score. Uh, one more for a bit of fun at the end. Who won the Clive Churchill Medal in the West Tigers 2005 Premiership win? Uh, I'll give you a bit of time. I think I know the answer to this one. All right. Well, just to let Duke everyone talk. know, the West Tigers are the. I think they're the only team that we have in common as our teams. I'd say, I think so too. Actually. Yeah. So the West Tigers, we're both fans of. So I thought might be a nice one at the end to uh, share in our Tigers fandom. Uh, so who is the uh, 2005 Clive Churchill winner? Uh, it was Scott Prince. It was indeed. So a pretty good game, uh, all things considered. Pretty close in the end, 4-3. Uh, let us know how you did uh, at the end. So our podcast score, I guess, was 7. So if you did better than 7, let us know uh, in the comments on uh, one of the social media posts. But I think now it's time to talk about Baltimore. Yeah, look, we might refine that up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do it again next week. Let us but, know uh, if you like that segment because that was an idea we sort of had just on the fly today of uh, something fun we might do. Let us know if you liked it. We, pro- um, we probably should have a time limit as well, maybe 10 seconds, so I don't, so I don't <laughs> take 15 seconds to answer the easiest question. But uh, anyway, that's all right. All right. Well, do you want to take us through Baltimore? Oh. Yeah, so Baltimore is also known as Charm City, and it's a major city in the state of Maryland. It has a population of 650,000 people, um, and it's famous for being the birthplace for the United States National Anthem, and um, with that comes the Star-Spangled Banner House. Um, And importantly for you, it's also home to the Baltimore Orioles in the MLB. Sure is. And Baltimore Ravens in the NFL. Yep, so it's one of those cities that only has the two major sports teams, and you see a lot of those around. It is still a major city in America. Um, and yes, like you said, my Baltimore Orioles uh, are my favorite team, and it's because I, I went on a trip to Baltimore. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that trip. You said 10 years ago, is that right? Yeah, it was about 10 years, almost. It's going to be 11 in, I believe, April. I think we were in April. Um, but yeah, it was a great trip. Uh, obviously, it's not NFL season, so I didn't get to go see a Ravens game, but I did see uh, an Orioles game. I went on the tour of the stadium, uh, visited the team shop, did all the things, and I just absolutely fell in love with the team uh, and have been a fan ever since. And it's a hard sport to follow in Australia, so I watch them whenever they're uh, whenever they're on TV and I've followed, especially their playoff runs are very heavily... Uh, promoted and shown in Australia. So I've caught the limited playoff runs they've been in since I've been a fan. But yeah, it's uh, they're my team. So what was your experience like at the stadium? It was, it's still hard to remember. Yeah, I was so young, but it was fantastic. I remember first going in and they've got... Um, so the stadium was built next to this old warehouse. Okay. Uh, and the warehouse is actually built into the facade of the stadium. So the warehouse now is their team offices. Uh, and it, it gives a great view of the stadium. They've actually had to make on the on the warehouse. They've made uh, the glass has to be with with able to withstand the strike of a baseball. Okay, because it is that close to the the ground now. Yeah, wow. they've got like a little street in between as well. It's it's shut off so that only people who are going to the game can go in that street. But there's a little street as well. And one of the things they do is they uh, anytime a ball is hit uh, into the street they mark it with a little plaque on the on the street. So they'll do a, cut out a little circle on the street and put a little plaque of, with all the details of the um, home run because it's a pretty hard home run to hit all the way onto the street. Yeah, yeah. And for a lot of... Because a lot of people are right-handed. Uh, to hit right-handed and get it to go far enough and across because it's on the right-hand side of the, of the stadium in the home run area. Right. To get a ball to go right-handed across that far... To the right is a hard is a hard thing to do. So there's there's a lot of them there because they've been around for a while. But um, yeah, it's fantastic to just even see those little pieces of history across. It. I love baseball stadiums because they're so different. Each baseball stadium you go to is so different. It's entrenched in its own history. Um, yeah, that's one of the major reasons why I, I sort of love the baseball tours, and I recommend any any baseball tour is one worthwhile to go on. Yeah, for sure. And they do that at Wrigley Field as well, down yep. the side street. Um, sim- pretty much exactly the same thing. So I think it's a bit of a baseball tra- tradition. Um, and a lot of people that sit sort of on those bleachers. I mean, a lot of baseball stadiums seem to have that 
um, surrounding, like the surrounding areas are sort of ingrained in the, the culture of baseball, whether it be streets or like you see um, those pop-up, what would you call them, bleachers or at Wrigley Field. And yeah. there's lots of, so it's really cool that you mentioned those surrounding sort of areas. So, And it, I think because as well, because the dimensions of a baseball field, they are allowed to be flexible with it. So they don't have to have a standard size. They can be a bit flexible with the, the distances in certain areas and the, the heights, like you see the Green Monster in Fenway in Boston. Um, they can be a bit flexible with how the, the stadium's constructed, which is why they're so unique and why it's good to visit different ballparks around. Like you're never going to see the same game in two different stadiums. Like it's always a different vibe. It's a different feel. Yeah. So in terms of stuff you did there, so tours, games, what was the most memorable part of your, your trip? I think it's hard to because we did it all on the one day. Okay. Um, we just basically, this is the Baltimore Orioles day of our trip. And I wasn't a fan before I went there. It was just a, this, we're going to Baltimore. This is a cool thing to do. Um, but yeah, so we did the tour in the in the sort of middle of the day. We visited the team store beforehand and got all decked out in Orioles gear. We sort of just decided this is, this is going to be our team. We're, we're gonna we're gonna support this team. So we were decked out in Orioles gear. Did the stadium tour. Um, saw all the sites. Saw the dugouts. Saw the change rooms and everything. And it was so cool to see. Um, and just the different views from all around, like going in the press box. Um, yeah, definitely recommend the stadium tour. I've done a few different baseball stadiums now, and they're all very worthwhile uh just hearing the history as well hearing it all explain pardon me was fantastic and was something to uh yeah it, it sort of get got you in the got you prepped for the game and then we saw that it was a night game and we had uh really great seats we were at the top row behind home plate but we were the first row of top row so we had a completely unobstructed view of the uh of the game and it was great it was yeah definitely a memorable night memorable experience and why baltimore because baltimore is not really that city i mean a lot of people probably probably don't even understand baltimore i mean it's one of those sort of smaller big bigger cities but why why did your parents choose to go to baltimore in the first place do you remember i think because we were sort of doing a road trip of the eastern uh cities okay and it was it was sort of something to do in between washington and some of the other and philadelphia i could think we went uh, either Washington to Philadelphia or Philadelphia to Washington. I knew, I know we flew uh, into Maryland. Um, I can't remember the exact order. It was a long time ago. But it's it's just another one of those cities with its own vibe, its own distinct culture. Um, it's right on the water there, so it's yeah, it's got a it's got its own vibe that's really uh, unique. Uh, and the baseball tickets were cheap. Yeah, of course. So I've got a not so much a, a question here, but Sell it for me. I want to know a little bit about its food and sort of not so much. It's not tailgating so much, but the the surrounding atmosphere of the baseball game there. Why I should go to Baltimore to see an Orioles game? Not so much everything surrounding it, but just I want to know a little bit about the food, the drink, the setup. I just want to know why should I pick Baltimore if I'm going to watch an MLB over other teams? Yeah, I um the food we had I think was just your stereotypical ballpark food. Had a okay. hot, hot dog and a drink. And it was perfect to have. Um, in terms of the vibe, it was incredible. People would like walk the street. I like the um, I forget the name of the street, but they walked the street in between the warehouse and the stadium uh, before the game. You chat to fans. Uh, there's it's it was a real vibe, especially being a night game. Everyone was sort of by the afternoon. They're all in town, ready to go for it. Uh, so there was a there was a vibe and atmosphere would build. Um, and obviously, being such a young age, I wasn't able to experience a lot of the things that we could as adults. Uh, but it was it was incredible, and I think that the vibe would be there for a lot of other different baseball grounds. I don't think that it, you def- definitely need to see specifically an Orioles game. Please don't be an Orioles fan; they're not very <laughs> good. Um, but I think that the vibe of baseball is that. Anyone, it's the working class sort of sport. Anyone can afford a game. Anyone can go at any time. It's one of those things. It's almost like going to the movies. It's like, hey, oh, the Orioles are playing tonight. You want to go? Like, it, it's not something you have to plan so far in advance. So I would definitely say if you're going somewhere in baseball season, see what you're feeling. There'll, there'll always be tickets available. There'll always be tickets cheap. See how you're feeling. See where you want to go. 
uh, if you're in the town for the day, go to a game. Yeah, cool, cool. And the reason why I sort of mentioned that is, as you mentioned there, um, Baltimore are probably known, I think it, there was actually a, an article that came out and said they're the worst team of the last millennium. and uh, The most depressed, I, I know what article you're talking about, the most depressing team of the uh, of the millennium and, so far. And that's saying something with the New York Knicks and uh, a few other American franchises Get around. The so, Blues. Mate, well, they're not American <laughs> to begin with. And secondly... It's all right. I'm taking my cheap shots because this is your cheap shot, cheap shot time. 30 years is still relevant enough. If we're going to talk about... The, oh, all right, well, quickly, if we're going to talk about the most, the worst franchise in Australia, it's got to be the St Kilda Saints, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> but historically... Um, but yeah, so why are the Baltimore Orioles such a bad franchise, do you think? <sighs> There's lots of reasons. I think payroll is a big one. If you've watched um, Moneyball you would realize the difficulty that teams have in baseball because there isn't a salary cap because it is a team it's a money driven sport very similar to european soccer leagues where the small clubs even if they grow their own talent even if they they can fight and claw all they like but players will always chase the money because it is a business and i don't blame players for doing so but it makes it hard for the small clubs. We So the Baltimore Orioles, um, in the article that I saw, which is from 2019, are 28th in payroll. Yeah. So they're out of 30 teams. So they don't spend. Uh, they're unlucky when they when they do make the playoffs. They're unlucky. They've had some issues with their star players. I know um, Chris Davis was one of their popular players. When they last made the playoffs um, was uh, PEDs. So they've just... Bad luck, not spending, uh, not making good sound decisions. And I think that's put them where they are. But our farm system is looking good at the moment. And hopefully we can start to bring some of those uh, talented players through and hopefully start to achieve in the uh, in the future. From my perspective, I think it comes, it comes to... When you think about like basketball and a few other different sports, and the one thing that I note about baseball is that they sign like 10-year contracts. So yeah. for a team to go out and get a big star, they're going to have to sign them to a huge deal worth a lot of money, which they don't already have. But then also all of those stars on the market, they don't come up every year or two like the NBA. It's like exactly. these guys are tied down for 10 years and they're going to earn their 300 million for 10 years or whatever astonishing amount it is. But that just limits a rebuild that you've got to do it with your homegrown talent. And then if your homegrown talent's getting traded or they sign with another team, then exactly. it's just a continual process. So... Because we've, we've had some talent come through the team over past years, but like you said, they go other places because there's the money there. And and then they get tied down to those contracts and you can't get good players back in, so you've got to do the best with what you've got. And some teams are good and some teams aren't, unfortunately. Yeah, of course. And and what better way to learn about um, some, some of Baltimore's teams, the Orioles and, and the Ravens there, to talk about our icons, so some of the best players from each of those sports yeah so our, our icon segment it's one of our favorite to do each week uh where we talk a bit about some of the famous athletes who've played in a city and decide who's the most influential and most iconic so starting with johnny unitas johnny football johnny <laughs> football uh considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time the first uh, johnny football <laughs> yeah arguably the greatest quarterback before the uh before the super bowl era uh, he played for the Baltimore Colts, uh, led them to many championships, and just all-round great football player. Yeah, look, he he's super old. Not nineteen fifty-five, well, nineteen fifty-six to nineteen seventy-two. He played at the at the Baltimore Colts, as they were known. But um, looking at his statistics, I mean, doing this, you start you start to start to appreciate um, statistics a bit more because you know we've got to find little um, niches for each player, but he was a three-time NFL champion, a three-time MVP, and um, a five-time All-Pro. So, huge um, honours there for, for Johnny Johnny Football. Yeah, for sure. Uh, our second uh, finalist is Ed Reed. So, he's a famous uh, safety for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he... One of the hardest hitting players I've ever seen play. He would end careers with how hard he'd hit. The only player I think I've seen that's close would be Cam Chancellor. But Ed Reed was just a fantastic safety, hunting players across the middle. Yeah, and he event he 
I think he basically invented that ball hawk thing, like teased the quarterback into throwing it in a certain spot, and there he pops up out of nowhere and gets the interception. Um, yeah, one of the greatest safeties of all time. Pretty prolific with that Ravens organization. Did play for a couple of other teams, but um, also Miami Hurricanes, one of your boys. One of your uh, your college team as well. Yeah, for sure. The I, U. I, I do like the U. Uh, the last one. Um, is Adam Jones. Now, Adam Jones, he's the Baltimore Orioles player I have the jersey of. Uh, one of my favorite uh, Orioles of all time. Um, he played for the Orioles for a very long time too. I think it was 11 seasons okay. uh, with the Orioles. Uh, had a fantastic run there. And um, yeah, one of my favorite players. He was one of the leaders in that uh, in the clubhouse for, for a very long time and someone that I wanted to give a quick shout out to. Um, but I think that takes us into our two nominees. So if you've seen our socials, you'd know who our two nominees are. Uh, do you want to take us through uh, Ray Lewis? Yeah, so Ray Lewis is a pretty influential player for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, he won two Super Bowl championships um, and was a Super Bowl MVP. Um, he was a two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, seven-time All-Pro, 13-time Pro Bowler, had the most tackles in a season three times on that all-decade team, 100th anniversary team. Basically had a lot of different um, honours to go with that as well. He also holds the NFL records for the most career combined tackles, the most career solo tackles, and the most solo tackles in a season. So he was just, as a linebacker, he was just flying over the field, getting involved in everything. There was no getting past Ray Lewis. The brick wall. The sure, brick wall. That sure was. Um, and he had those two Super Bowls, obviously, uh, sort of bookends of his career. He had one at the start in 2000. I mean, he started in 96, but uh, 2000, he won the Super Bowl. So pretty early on in his career and one of the most, the great, one of the greatest defenses of all time in the NFL and then had the Super Bowl win in the final season of his career, uh, winning Super Bowl 47 against the Niners. Yeah, and we already talked about Ed Reed, but that combo was pretty deadly. Um, uh, between, he would stop the run, Ed Reed would stop the pass. There was no there was no getting past those Ravens. Um, and now our other nominee for the icon of Baltimore is Cal Ripken Jr. So Cal Ripken Jr. was a very famous, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. He played, uh, he was Maryland born and raised. He played 21 seasons for Baltimore. So that's incredible. I mean, Tom Brady has sort of set our expectations for how long athletes can play. But Crazy. the fact that Cal Ripken was close to that uh, is a testament to him being the Iron Man of baseball is what he was called. Uh, now, the reason why he was the Ironman of baseball, he broke the record and has set the record so far that no one, I don't think, can ever achieve it. The most consecutive uh, games played, the most consecutive games played. So he broke the record at 2,131. And that moment where he broke the record uh, was voted by fans as the most memorable Major League Baseball moment of all time. Wow. And in a sport that's been around for that long, that is incredible. With baseball, is is resting a big thing? Because I know they play like huge amounts of games during a year. Is well, resting like they a play huge thing? Over 150 games a year. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that he could do that for that long, that's basically his whole career. He ended up with 2,632 consecutive games. Uh, absolutely incredible that he was able to be the Iron Man for so long. He was always out there for the O's. He never missed a start uh, for so long. In fact, the reason he actually broke the streak was he decided to end it. He, oh, okay. he decided to sit the game out to end the streak to go, all right, that's enough. Like It was the last game of the season. He just thought, I'm just going to end this streak, take the pressure off, and then uh, continue the rest of his career. Uh, yeah, one of the greatest players in baseball history, uh, two-time uh, American League MVP. Uh, he was also a World Series champion in 1983, 19-time uh, All-Star. Uh, and yeah, he was just absolutely incredible throughout his whole run. He was very consistent. And yeah, 2,632 games without missing one. What do you say? Like, that's that's just pure durability to be able to play that many games in a row. Like, God, I, I, I can't even 
fathom that really like that is so many years and so many different different games that's travel that's putting in in the work every night and even if you have three or four hits a game that's still you know preparation everyone professional athletes they prepare for every game so yeah even the preparation of you know putting in all that all that work and then going out there whether you even hit the ball once or twice in the whole game or you're at shortstop for a certain amount of time like that's that's just huge to be able to do that but um yeah look i'm not a huge mlb fan but he's certainly a name that resonates with with baseball and with that hall of fame um which he was selected to in 2007 and yeah. actually the sixth highest election percentage ever and we know baseball is a very historic sport so mm. that's that's a that's a big stat as well yeah, and I think his impact has actually resonated with our fans uh, as our fans voted him the icon of Baltimore and we decided he was too. So it was 75% Cal Ripken and 25% Ray Lewis uh, for that vote this week. So uh, we've got the top five Cal Ripken Jr. moments and as a Baltimore Orioles fan, if you don't mind, I might go through these for you. Let's do it. So the number five moment, he was a two-time All-Star Game MVP and he had an incredible uh, achievement in those games. He, he played incredible, scored iconic home runs in those games and got those two All-Star Game MVPs. What's your number four moment, my friend? Uh, number four moment, he was the 1991 MVP and it was the first player to win the MVP award. So he was the AL MVP, sorry. It was the first player to win an MVP award when his team was below 500. Wow. They they had only win they, their wins were in the 60s that year and that he won the MVP. Yeah, that that's it, pretty it's, that's pretty yeah, valuable. It's pretty valuable. What if, would they have been without him 20 wins? Oh, they <laughs> one of the worst franchises in baseball. Where what the, is that now? <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, number three, the most iconic moment was when he decided to end the streak. Uh, when it became apparent that he was ending the streak, he got uh, he was he had to go out to the crowd to sort of acknowledge them twice because they wouldn't stop cheering, they wouldn't stop applauding. One of the greatest uh, achievements in baseball history, and it was absolutely incredible to see the ovation that he got uh, for. Um, for ending the streak and for the and to celebrate the success he'd had for so long. So was it was it in the best interest of the team like do you know why he he sort of ended that streak was it just because you know they were spending more time putting effort into him when he was that older player and they weren't needed to give the youth yeah, a shot or I think that he was just that older player he didn't want to put the pressure on the team uh to keep playing him if if they needed to rest him for certain reasons as he as his body was getting older. Um, and I think it was sort of just that humble thing that he decided, look, it's it's time for me. All right, give me the next moment. Uh, number two was the 1983 World Series win. So they won the World Series in five games. Um, absolutely incredible moment for the Orioles fans. And it was the last uh, World Series that they've won. Okay, what's our number one moment, H? I think that anyone who is a baseball fan will agree that the consecutive game streak voted the number one moment in baseball history uh, has to be our number one most iconic moment for Cal Ripken. So he broke the streak, like I mentioned before, 2,131 games. The crowd gave a 22-minute standing ovation. Why they, 22 minutes? They, is that just how long? It was just how long it took for them to settle down. That's ridiculous. <laughs> they were that animated and while they didn't rush the field like a like a Buddy Franklin thing. 60 minute quarter for Buddy but 22 minute <laughs> ovation. I don't think I'd be clapping for that long. Yeah, it was it was a long time that just they, they wouldn't it wouldn't calm down. It wasn't able to be be settled down. Was it at home? home? It was at home. Okay, that does help. That does help. It did help a lot. So, uh, absolutely iconic moment. Um, He sort of went around the field and um, like went on a lap of honor sort of thing around the field. Uh, So, it was actually, it happened after the fifth inning. So, once the game was confirmed to be a proper, because you have to start a certain amount of innings for it to be counted as a proper game. So that's that's the moment when they, they had that ovation. Once it was in the record books, he did play that game. Uh, that was the moment where they um, where they made that ovation. Jeez, jeez. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about about that streak? I think we've covered it in I depth. I think we've covered it in depth. I think it was just, it's something, it's one of those records that will never be broken. There is, there is just too difficult to break. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the most unbreakable records in sport. 
Of course. And moving on to our, our mailbag now, and I think this question is perfect for you um, as a Dolphins fan. And Jack from Cameron Park asks, what are your thoughts on the Tyreek Hill trade? And what is the vibe as a Dolphins fan? We go on to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I'm excited about the trade. I think it's the first time we've had a genuine playmaker since probably Ricky Williams. Um, but he's an exciting playmaker. Yes, he's, he's older now and we're probably going to see his decline of his career. Hopefully we don't see that for four or five years. But an incredible player, an incredible talent. I did think we gave up a lot to get him, but... Knowing our, our what front say? office... Stuff them picks, bro. Is that what he said? <laughs> Stuff them picks, bro. I think bro. he used a uh, co- more <laughs> colourful word than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I think that knowing our front office's track record, I don't think that they would have used those pick, picks wisely anyway. So may as well trade them for a proven star. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Get it done. Get the, get the trade done. Get the best guy possible. Um, teams often make mistakes with picks, so I, don't, I think get it done. Yeah, I think that the only question now is Tua. We've put all these pieces around him. Uh, the Toronto Armstead signing was huge for the Dolphins as well. I think it's Tua time or bust. Uh, and I think that with our two first-round picks next year, I think we're in prime position to go get ourselves a quarterback if it is bust. But hopefully it all works out. Hopefully Tua has the weapons he needs and hopefully the Dolphins make the playoffs. Go get yourself a Baker Mayfield. <laughs> okay, you could get him for a buddy seventh rounder at this rate. <laughs> I'll get him for uh, five bucks and a can of Coke, I reckon. Um, I'd, nearly, I'd nearly take that if I'm the Browns. <laughs> all right, next question. Daz from Sam, and it's a bit of a, a, bit of a more serious question. Uh, does the Ray Lewis incident affect his legacy? Now, the incident that he's referring to is the uh, the double murder uh, trial in 2000. So, for those who don't know the story, after a Super Bowl party, uh, after he was in Atlanta uh, for a Super Bowl party, a Super Bowl 34 party. Yep. yep. Um, and afterwards, there was an incident. There was a um, altercation, and two men ended up dying um, because of it. Uh, Ray Lewis play, uh, got a plea deal and pled guilty to a misdemeanor, but was able to be acquitted of the uh, of the murder charges. But a lot of people still believe that he did do it and wasn't pro- the law didn't properly uh, yeah, protect yeah. the victims and the law didn't properly prosecute. Uh, the guilty party so it's not it's not as public and as as controversial as the oj simpson trial but it's sort Mm. of like a bit not so much a bit like that but there's just a lot up in the air that people are able to speculate like that white suit that he was he was wearing on the night had never been found and there's so many different other circumstances that go into it you know buying knives weeks before and it's just a bit it's all a bit too not convenient that it all happened that way and it wasn't just a spur of the moment incident but um nonetheless he agreed to that plea agreement um and charges were sort of the murder charges at least were dismissed i guess the biggest thing was because he he by the eyes of the law he's been cleared of it i think the court of public opinion it's up to each individual person exactly yeah i do think that i think Decide how they feel about it. Decide whether it affects his legacy. I don't think it's something that we can just say, yes, it does or no, it doesn't. I think it's up to you to decide if it affects his legacy in your eyes specifically. So if you're not uh, aware of the case, um, get your eyes on it. Search a bit on uh, on Google for it because there's plenty of, plenty of stuff out there on it. But I definitely think it's one that everyone has to make their own minds up. And I mean, he did end up playing the rest of his career out post that it happened in 2000s he, he won two super bowls and had all these accolades post uh the incident so it's yeah but if if, if we're to t- take a holistic view on it i think if it if we're to answer from the perspective of just a basic does it affect his legacy from the opinion of the majority at this point i'd probably say most people would say lean towards yes or yeah. at least yes but to how much i was just about to say it's it's a degree question where it, it will always be carried with him but it's how much you put on it personally all right next question uh joe from newcastle asks is there any point in attending an afl game ever after buddy's 1000 um my answer to that is 
luckily, uh, well, luckily for us, Joey, we were at that game, so we can sort of, um, we can say no, but uh, a lot of people weren't, so a few people will have to go and chase that. They might never ever see it again, so, but in terms of attending another game, I think I'll probably still attend a few other <laughs> games, but um, probably won't get the same enjoyment out of it, mate. What, Carlton in the MCG in the last... Uh, Saturday of September. I've uh, I've booked my flights, mate. I've I booked my flights. I'm still waiting on the on the tickets to come through. I think they said they have to hold off on those, but um, I booked my flights. Jetstar got in early. Booked well, my flights in September to Melbourne. This question is from Harrison from Newcastle. Uh, does Carlton win the flag this year? I don't see why not. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's spoken like a true blue. In all honesty. Uh, just hoping they make the eight yeah i think we'll just start off with that two wins is two wins it's only two wins so it's been two impressive wins though it has it has um the lid's still on with me so it's about to come off they've got a very very easy run coming up and they face your swans in in uh in round 10 and i think both teams if like per predictions and how each team ranks against each other both teams could end up nine and one in a big a big clash, so that'd be pretty interesting that for us. That would be a big clash, and uh, let's see it happen. I, I'd love to watch that game with the, you. The lid would be off if they went nine and one. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, next question, Peter from Wyong asks, "What's your most prized sports memorabilia?" Uh, my one, I've actually, I want to get an Aaron Rodgers or some sort of Packers sign memorabilia um, in the future. But one of mine, I mentioned it last week with the Barcelona jersey. That's a pretty cool one. But my it comes with a bit of a story. I, I got a signed T-shirt from Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant. Yep. Um, we were standing in the in the side of the tunnel and we didn't have tickets there and we sort of like, we'd waited there early and the players didn't come past and then the security went to shoo us off. So I threw the T-shirt to a, a young girl that was, that was there. Younger, when I say young, probably 18, 19, was probably older than me at the time. Um, but she was sitting there, she was like a season ticket holder and I just said, can you like try and she's like yeah i'll try for you um and got both of those autographs so we got oh, gave the awesome. t-shirt back to me and uh i sort of was just marveling in that and we still got it hanging up um at home so that would probably be mine sign clay thompson and kevin durant t-shirt yeah that's awesome um mine is probably i've got a um drew Brees new orleans saints helmet okay uh, signed and it's got the um super bowl uh, 44 champion uh, inscription on it so that's probably my most prized uh, sports memorabilia that I've got yeah uh, really good really good question really yeah. good question Pete thanks for that uh, next question uh, Luke from Missouri asks who wins the MLB World Series ooh the American connection there I don't mind that Missouri interesting um, yeah so I'm gonna have to go with the Los Angeles Dodgers um, you know, they might have lost the NL, NL West um, last year, but I don't think there's any doubt that they're the best team entering their division in the 2022 season. Um, their starting rotation is just pretty pretty phenomenal. It's almost an all-star team. There's not really any, um, any disadvantages there. And with Freddie Freeman joining the mix, um, I'd, I'd say that they're probably undoubtedly the best team in the MLB. Um, not, as I said, not a huge MLB fan, but I, I did look up on this this question before because I didn't want to have no idea, but I'm going to go with the, with the Dodgers here. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good picks this year. I think that the Yankees, though, uh, it's been their time for a long time. Uh, they've got a very strong lineup, uh, and I think they've been making some huge signings. I think it's their time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, those two big-name teams, imagine those two in the World Series. That'd go off. Incredible it would be. Uh, well, that's it for our mailbag. And our final segment of the week is the lock of the week. Now, last week's locks, the Melbourne Demons did beat the Gold Coast Suns uh, and the Parramatta Eels upset the uh, the Melbourne Storm of yours, making the score 1-1 after two rounds. What a finish in that Storm Eels game. Wow. Uh, we we watched that while we went out on uh, on Saturday night and it was incredible, the, uh, the finish of that game. I was... Uh, very excited to see the uh, the Eels get up in that game. Uh, well, <laughs> you looked excited at the time. You just turned to me and went 1-1. One, one. Oh, right, right, away, mate. No Straight away. Um, I don't think my team had played at that point either. <laughs> no, they hadn't. They hadn't. Um, well, what's your look for this week? Um, Brisbane to beat North Melbourne. I'm not going out on a limb here. I think you got a super easy one last week, so give super me one. Super easy? 
<laughs> North Melbourne applied eight bucks, mate. When we're talking, how many times has the Gold Coast Suns won a big game in the last ten years? You know what? North could North have beaten West Coast, the uh, the Waffle Team last week. So you know what? They've got <laughs> a win a on the board. Strong team. <laughs> yeah. They're a strong team. They beat um, a bunch of kids. Look, I'm just going to get the point here, and if I lose, I reckon I should almost give get minus one for this. I'm not going to. D- is that is I that a know. promise? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I'll, think you almost need to to pick uh, this one. Let's lock it in. Minus one if North beat. Um, North Bay, Brisbane. Done. Uh, now, our locks don't always have to be uh, game picks or picking a team over another team. Sometimes that, they can be individual players. And as a fan of the Swans and a fan of Isaac Heaney, I'm riding the lightning. Heaney's going to kick three goals against uh, against uh, Western Bulldogs. Okay. So he's kicked he kicked three in round one against GWS. He kicked five on the weekend. Uh, almost, if Buddy didn't kick that thousandth goal, Heaney was the story of, of that game. Uh, but I reckon he kicks three against a very handy bulldog side, and I think if he does get those three, that helps get the Swans over the line. I'm not going to pick the Swans to beat Bulldogs, but I think Heaney gets three. Three goals is a is a pretty big. I don't mind that For, to be your lock. That's got some that's got some balls to it. And I'll tell you what, I'll take the minus one. That's I don't mind that pick. I think that's a bit of a roughy, but at the same time, he has yeah, as he said, he's kicked three goals two weeks in a row. So we could see it again. And I think I think it'd be a nice little stamp to start his uh, possibly his first ever All Australian. Uh, Ooh, someone might have tipped that. At the someone might have. Maybe we should go back a few episodes and see who the uh, clever cookie was. <laughs> uh, well, that's it for our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed uh, the chat today, make sure you let us know on all the socials. Make sure you follow all the socials at Road Trip Sports Pod. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Road Trip Sports Podcast. You can get in touch with us via email, roadtripsportspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to get your feedback, especially on... We've been trying to introduce some new segments each week. So if there's a segment you like uh, from this week or from a previous week that you want to see back, let us know. Hit us up. We'd love to uh, give you what you guys want. And uh, and we'd love to, for you to share us around a bit as well. Yeah, of course. Um, we'll continue to put out content that you guys love. Um, we had a bit of a, I wouldn't say a moment off TikTok, but we had a bit of a, a lull period where we, we were a bit busy doing a few other things. So we're keen to get back into that. So if you've got any TikTok suggestions or anything that you want to see, give us a yell and, and, we'll, and we'll chuck them on there. For sure, for sure. Well, that's all for us. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Harrison Crook. This has been Oliver Gilmore. Thank you for listening. See you next time. See ya.